wonder if you could do a, take a seat real quick. Um, I want to introduce Greg and Michelle. Many of you already know them, but I just felt in my heart to do this um, earlier on in the prayer meeting. I'm asking you all just to be real honest, open, vulnerable, uh, if you can, just really quickly. I'm not trying to rush through something, but I just, you know, it's come to the end of the year, as you know. We're not having a service next week. We, I spoke into that last week, so I won't go into it now. Um, but we always want to give God the glory and give Him thanks. And there are so many things that God is doing just in our midst and things that we keep hearing, testimonies, we can't keep up with them. And uh, so I wondered if we could just do this real quick. If you this year, as we come to the end of the year, if you've had some sort of bondage broken, that could be an addiction, that could be a, a stronghold, which is the lies. You, you bro were broken free. You were broken out of a lie this year, or you had some habit in your life that God finally broke, or anything that held you. If that has, God has done that this year in your life, could you please stand real quick? Wow. Amazing, huh? Amazing. Yeah. Isn't God good? And let me give you another area. You guys can take a seat. It's just a way to give God glory. If you this year have started to, you know, you hear people talk about the prophetic, and, um, and we have a prophetic voice with us this morning in Michelle, but if you hear about the prophetic, but you hear about people say the Lord says, but you actually really started to discern and learn the relationship with the Lord and really begin to hear His voice this year. Could you stand? Wherever you are. It doesn't have to be. Where do, look at that. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. If there's been relationships this year, broken relationships, whether it's family, long-term, just some broken relationships being restored, could you stand? Amazing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Two more. If there's been financial breakthrough following prayer or fasting or trust or someone gave you a word and it came to pass, whether it could be promotion or just checks, just financial breakthrough. Could you stand this year? Look at that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, last one. You were physically in your body, physically healed this year. Could be long standing, it could have been a headache, but you know the Lord healed you in some way, physically. Could you stand, please? Look at that. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Lord, we give you honor, we give you thanks. We thank you for your great salvation, which you purchased with your blood, with your life, a life for a life. We give you praise. Amen. All right, so we have uh, Greg and Michelle with us this morning. I want to just say one or two things about them. Um, they're friends of ours. I, they, we've walked with them for many years. They've known my parents for many years. It's wonderful that they're both in the house today. Uh, they knew each other before I knew them. You know, my dad knew Greg and Michelle. Um, they're originally from South Africa. They were leading there in a very large church there as well for many years, I think originally with the youth, and then it changed from there. I don't even know all the history. But um, every time they're here, my dad and my mother are traveling and doing ministry elsewhere. So finally, 
you know, I told, I told Greg, my dad was practicing casting out as many demons as he can so he could deal with Greg Knight. <laughs> but uh, that was just a joke. But um, it's just wonderful. We all had a good time over at our house yesterday, just all three of us just getting together and just sharing God's stories. It was just such a wonderful time, and uh, so it's great to have both of you with us today. Um, Greg has walked with me personally for a long time. When there's been things that have happened, we always call Greg. He's been really one of the apostolic influences in, uh, in the life of this church. Uh, years ago, when we were small enough to have family retreats, we'd all go away to have family retreats. Yeah, they've done, I think, a few with us, and uh, it's just a wonderful time. And, you know, we've been down to his church, my wife and I, when we were leading youth years ago. Uh, we took 12 years, uh, 12 hours, we took, I don't know, 20-some youth for 12-hour trip down to their church. That was an interesting journey. So, uh, and they, they set us up. I'm going to tell, tell people what you did. We were not even together, and they randomly selected us to dance at the dance together. <laughs> Random. Yeah, we know what you did. Yeah, we don't know what happened. Yeah, and now we're married. So, <laughs> so thank you, Greg. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Michelle, probably. Um, just a few things. I, the reason I say this, it's not about them. They probably don't like this. But if Christ can go into his hometown and only do a few things there because of how the people perceived him, Christ doesn't go down in power, but it shows the perception and the belief in the heart of, pers- of what a person carries matters. If you receive a prophet as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a, a prophet as a friend, you won't receive a prophet's award, even though you like them. To value who people are in terms of who God has made them to be is actually very important. So um, just real quick, there's so many things I could say, but uh, they've both written books. Michelle has a book called um, Living Refreshed. It's on Amazon. I encourage you to get it. Greg has a bunch, some of them about leadership. One is Beyond Leadership. He actually sits on the chairman of the Global Leadership Council of World Without Orphans. And he's, he sits on, on that uh, board. He's the chairman of that board. And um, they, that is, I think, within, you said, 86 countries. That's amazing. He also is friends with Leif Hetland. Who knows Leif Hetland? Uh, and he's good friends there. And Michelle really is a genuine prophetic voice. She scares me. It's wonderful. And she doesn't. She's the sweetest lady. So, um, and, uh, so why don't you guys come? Why don't you guys both come? I wonder if we could just give them some honor. That would be wonderful. Come up. So, guys, it's wonderful to have you. Um, just to also show the value of relationship. They mostly do conferences and, and uh, hello. Josh sat on something. Did you just blame a child? You blamed a child? Wow. It was a child you gave me. We'll just call him Adam. Just call him Adam this week. Um, but uh, just to show the value of relationship, they do conferences and a lot of those kinds of things. They travel all over. But to, to, to be willing to fly out here just to do a service is just the value of relationship. So we just thank you for that. We really do. So I'm going to give you the mic, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's, it's such a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. We don't, we don't take it lightly. So thank you so much, Clayton and Jen and the eldership here for, for having us. Ken and Michelle, it's just, it's a real privilege to be here, and it's so fun to see the growth. I think yeah. like I wasn't with Greg last time he came, and that last time I was here, that was the coffee shop, so it's just awesome to see how the Lord's expanding you. So I wanted to share a few d- different things, but 
I just felt like um, during the worship, the Lord actually reminded me of something that you mentioned, Leith Hetland, talks about this baptism of love. And this is kind of just came to me during the worship, and I just feel like there's some people that need that this morning. I just had such a sense that the Lord wanted to just baptize some people with the love of God. And maybe it's been a tough week. We all know it's been a strange season, but I just had such a sense that I just love to pray for that. I just felt the Lord just wants to take away. Some have a sense of, of disappointment. There's been disappointments. There's been things that you've had to walk through, but I just have really feel like the Lord says, I just want to baptize you. It's like I want to, I want to put you as a sponge into the, into the love of God because you are his bride and he loves you. So if that is you, if you're comfortable to stand, stand. If not, I would just love to pray for you because I just feel like there's an anointing of the love of God this morning, if that's okay. Thank you, yeah. Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great love, Lord. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, to your people. Lord, your word says that you love us with an everlasting love. Lord, your word says that you dance over us with great joy. Thank you, Father, for the delight that you have in your bride. And Lord, right now, Father, for those that are sitting or standing, Lord, we all really need this. Would you just come, Lord, and, and baptize us in your love, Jesus? Would you release a revelation of the height and the depths of your love for your people, Lord? Father, we, we take off disappointment. Father, we take off condemnation. We, Father, we remove a spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus. And we release peace and joy and healing. Father, would your healing oil, Lord, just pour into every heart, Lord, into every person right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for this. Thank we you, release Jesus. more, Lord. We release your shalom, the yes, peace of God, yeah. and the love of our Father. Yeah. Waves, Lord. You promised, Lord, that, you, that Lord, we would have to get revelation to know the height and breadth and width and depth of the love of God and to know this love that surpasses our ability to connect. So, Father, I just, yeah. I just release that love and the peace of God. Yeah. Watch this. Watch this. Peace of God. Mm -hmm. This is flooding this place now. And Father, those things that have harassed your people, be gone in Jesus' name. But peace is coming on you. Thank you, Lord. The peace of God. Yeah. And Father, we just thank you for a new, fresh day of your love and the peace of God. Restful nights, joyful mornings, full of the presence of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Um, oh, how he loves you. How he loves you. And then I had a word for Carly. Um, yes, you, Carly. <laughs> oh, I, I just, just a word of encouragement, really. I just feel like the Lord wants to remind you that you, you carry the wisdom of heaven. You carry wisdom and you, you carry peace. And the Lord's called you to impart that. But I saw him put a new mantle of authority on you. And I think, I feel like the Lord says you've, you've become comfortable with who you are. And who you are is beautiful, but I feel like the Lord wants to give you an upgrade in seeing who you are. Because I feel like there's a whole lot more to you that people have seen. But you carry a wisdom, and there's an authority. When you meet with people, when you speak to people, I just feel like what the Lord sees is there's, there's, a, there's a Holy Spirit wisdom that flows from you. And there's some deep wells 
that um, that need to be drawn from. So I just feel like the Lord, I feel like the Lord says, step into this new place of authority. He's putting a mantle on you. It's not something that's hard. I just feel like the Lord says, if you'll just say, I'm gonna I'm gonna receive this new space. I really feel like there's a new space for me to function um, in the wisdom and the authority of the Holy Spirit. So. Um, and then for, for you guys as a, as a church, I, I was praying for you um, during the week before we came, and I had a picture of bricks being laid, and obviously in between bricks there's a cement that has to be put in, but I saw it was kind of, it looked like this white padding in between each layer, and I felt like the Lord said this is a season of reinforcing already strong foundations, and up until now you have built locally but I feel like the Lord says it's time for you to, to expand beyond your borders. I believe the Lord's going to start to put different states and different nations on your heart, different people groups. And because I feel like he says, I, I want to take what is here and I want others to see it. I believe that God is building you to replicate you. I, I believe that in the foundations of this church, even when this church was started, there was, there was a heart in God to replicate what, what is happening here. The Lord says the fruit of what's happening in your midst will be seen and not hidden or restricted to one geographical area. You've built well to grow upwards, but now I'm strengthening you and I'm broadening your foundations to go outward. I believe the Lord says favor is coming from you to other regions, but also to you from, from other regions. And I also had a picture of people coming through your doors with national dress on, representing different nations, every tribe, every nation. Um, I really feel like there's something. I would, I'd be interested to see how many nations are represented here, but I feel like it's a prophetic, a visual pro prophetically of what God has for you. I feel like there's other nations here Come on. Um, that God wants to um, impact through what God He's doing here. I believe He says He's strengthening your foundations for the more that He's called you to, and the white layers in between the cement were indicative of how you've built. You've built purposely, you've built courageously, you've built with grace and with wisdom. And, and you've built wisely, you've been faithful with what you've been given. And the Lord says your foundations are strong. You can feel that when you come in here. There's a strength in the foundations here. But they are being fortified to carry more. What is not seen are the foundations. You know, it's, people don't come into a church and say, wow, these are the amazing foundations. They look at what they can see, right? But you can perceive the strength of the foundations here. And what is not seen often in the natural is the presence of God. But if you see in the spirit, there's a dense cloud that hovers over you. And you, you guys know that the presence of God is so, so very real here. But it's not always identified, but it's perceived. And I've... I felt like um, for Ken and Michelle, I feel like there's, there's promises that still have yet to be seen that, that you, the Lord might have given you when you started free life. Um, but I feel like this is time for them to be fulfilled. They will be fulfilled in your day, but they will be fulfilled through, through you. And there's a strong, I feel like there's a strong David Solomon um, connection. Um, 1 Kings 6 2 says, as, as for this temple you're building, if you follow my decrees, observe my laws and commands, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David, your father. I feel like promises were given to you that you are called to, to fulfill. And I feel like it's that season. In the, in the building of the temple, 
the the temple if you, Solomon's temple was very it was very exact there were, there were so many cubits for this and a height for that and different materials but it was it was obviously a physical building being built this little talking now in the in the spirit but the the, the measurements were very direct and but it was also a house it was a house of presence and I feel like the Lord says to you uh, free like that because there's order in the spirit here it gives space for freedom so I feel like even as you build, as, you, as you're expanding, as you should be, which is beautiful, I feel like that, that order in the spirit is, is really vital to, to the movement of the spirit in you, which is beautiful because the presence of God is so real, and I feel like it's indicative of, because there's order in the spirit here. Yeah, so, so well done to you guys for the way you, you're building. 1 Kings 8.10 says, The priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And it was in a temple that had been built in order where the, the glory of the Lord manifested. And I feel like as because you've, you've built well, the Lord's entrusted you and going to entrust you with more of his presence. You're building a house that is known as a house of presence. You're, a, you're building a house that will entertain kings and will affect areas of influence because of those who come through your doors. The Lord is entrusting you with greater influence than you see on a Sunday. What happens here will overflow more and more. I don't think you're going to be able to keep it here within, within the walls, and I don't think you are. How you structure what you're building and who you build with will determine your reach. Some here are called to carry heavy, low, weighty loads in the spirit. And I had a picture of you, Clayton, with um, carrying heavy wooden logs, and people were coming to you and taking them from you, and some were able to, to carry the weight of that, and some were going to build here with you, and some are going to take what you give them, and they were going to build beyond here. I think some of you here this morning are going to build beyond here at, at some stage, but you were handing out building materials. So I wanted to encourage you with that. Um, I'll send it to you so you can go through it. But I really feel like God is doing something. He's building here for beyond here. He's building here to replicate here. The Lord's entrusted you with his presence because nations need what he's doing here. This has to go beyond. And I think it's very significant, the area that you're building in right now. And and then just in closing, I just wanted to honor you and you guys, Ken and Michelle, for how, you know, you said yes to the Lord all those years ago. And it's because of your yes that this is here today. This wouldn't yeah, be here. So, well so well, well done. Well done. Well done. So I'd just love to pray, pray for you guys and um, hand it over to Greg. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you, Lord, that it is a house of presence. I thank you, Father, for the multiple testimonies um, that we just saw um, manifest standing up today. Lord, thank you for that. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've called this house to replicate because the nations need what's happening. This nation, this nation needs what is happening in this house. And so, Lord, I pray for an overflow, Father, yeah. into this area and beyond. Lord, I pray, Father, that, Lord, as they are um, being seen, that they would be seen even more. I thank you, Father, that nations will come here, Father. I pray that kings and people of influence will come through these doors and take what is happening here to their nation and to the nations beyond. We trust you for that, Father. Lord, I speak your blessing and your favor, Lord, on, on this leadership, Father. 
I thank you, Lord, for this team. I thank you, Father, for, for Clayton and Jane, Lord. I just thank you, Father, for a greater anointing on them in this thank season, you, Father, to replicate what you're doing. We thank you for the order in this house, Lord. I bless this house, Father, with increase after increase after increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go. Well done. Well, I could do it without notes, but it's better if I have them. It was lovely. Thanks, love. I am a frustrated pianist. I never put in the hours of practice to be able to play the piano well. But I did teach myself about six chords. So when I sit down at the piano, I'm a frustrated worship leader. Because I didn't put in the discipline, I don't have the freedom to worship on the piano by myself. Discipline brings freedom. And you, want, you want to live in the freedom that God has for you, then there are some disciplines in the spirit that the Lord is going to ask you to adhere to. Does it make sense? When you, when you put in the discipline, you can enjoy the freedom. My daughter can sit on the piano and just love Jesus and... And I am frustrated. <laughs> An ill-disciplined, frustrated pianist. Um, part of what the Lord wants to do among you is bring a supernatural explosion of growth in this facility and significantly beyond this facility. He's going to bring nations to you and he's going to take you to the nations. Does that make sense? That's what the Lord just said. And so, in order for that to happen, the Lord's talking about foundations and structure, and there's architecture. And uh, the Greek word architekton is where we get our word architect from. And Jesus was known as a tekton, a laborer, somebody who worked. Somebody called them, you know, some, most tektons in Jesus' day worked with stone. Sometimes they were carpenters, but they were the workers who executed what the architekton had designed. There is an architect to the church, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives five significant uh, servants, skilled servants, who oversee his architecture, and then they equip us so that we can get on and do the work of the ministry. This is part of a discipline that God calls us to so that he can accomplish his purposes, and God is assigned to you. He's given authority to you to do certain things. If God didn't give you authority to do it, you couldn't accomplish it. But when he gives you authority, nobody can take that authority away from you. There is just a process of discipline. And so this is what the Lord is about here. It's very cool. It's very nice to be part of. And uh, yay. <laughs> I love this time of year because this is the time of year we celebrate the great herald of heaven who opened up the heavens and told a few um, shepherds in a valley. There's great news, great joy for all mankind. Because today, in the town of David, your Savior is born. Hallelujah. And suddenly, when he said that, the heavens opened. Can I, can I add a little imagination to the scriptures? For about 10,000 years in our time, angels had been practicing this song. Glory to God in the highest. 
And angels, in case you don't know this, in Revelation it talks about the angel choir around the throne of Jesus numbering 10,000 times 10,000. So there's a hundred million angel choir just around the throne. Right? So I like these, this hundred million choir in 16-part harmony. And angels, you may not know this, but in my imagination, this is how it happens. When angels sing loud, they get larger and change colors. So this whole choir has been practicing for 10,000 years, not just harmony, but color harmony and size harmony. And there is this rolling, astounding chorus of creativity. And two large angels are waiting there until they get the knot now. And they pull back the shoo, and 100 million angels burst into the sky. Hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. Peace. Goodwill to you. The favor of God is on you. And there's about five very surprised shepherds. <laughs> Freaked out. I love the fact that God doesn't need to speak to the fat cats. God loves to speak to ordinary people like you and me. Jesus got excited about this. He said, I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, but you reveal them to the little children. One of the greatest declarations from heaven to mankind, by the way, guys, because today in this town, a savior was born to mankind. The message from heaven is peace. My favor is on you. Goodwill from God towards you. What a message. Now let's get to the sermon. That wasn't even. Are we preaching yet? No, we haven't got there yet. I want to preach this morning very briefly. How much time do I have? A little while. I want to talk about heirs, not earners. Heirs, not earners. An heir is somebody who gets for free what somebody else worked for. When somebody else dies and executes their will, you earn what you didn't work for, what somebody else worked for. That's what an heir is. The Bible doesn't say, I pray, the Bible didn't pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the incredible salary that you've earned. He said the, in, the, the extraordinary inheritance, the riches of a glorious inheritance in the saints and the incomplete power for you who believe. So we have to get some things just clear in our heads. You're an heir, not an earner. If you're an earner, then, then that's a salary is something that you get paid at the end of the month because you worked hard for it. Your boss doesn't come to you and say, I think I'm just going to be generous this month and give you this money. You go, no, that's not generous. I earned that. In fact, it's a little bit too little, right? You guys all look so spiritual. There's heirs and there's earners. And when the Bible talks about God's relationship to you, God never calls you an earner. He always calls you an heir. 
You're an heir of an inheritance that Jesus died that you never earned for yourself, but Jesus earned on your behalf. And when you put your faith in him, that inheritance was assigned to you. And that inheritance was put into effect as just as Hebrew says. Hebrew says no will is put into effect while the person who wrote the will is still living. But when they die, that will is affected. And so when Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, his body was broken for you. The Bible says so that now we might receive the promise. Hello. We're just getting warm. I just wanted, like, are you guys with me? Like, we can catch this, right? So if you understand this, I want to talk a little bit because I think the Lord wants to do, uh, you know what I think, the Lord wants to do something for you this morning that's very exciting. I'm going to be watching this church with great excitement because God wants to put you in a different mode. There's a supernatural realm. The kingdom realm works different to the earthly realm. Does that make sense? And if you're if, if, if we're still part of the kingdom, but we still live in the earth, that's, that we have to make a choice which, which realm we function with. Most believers have not been taught how to function in the kingdom. They've been taught how to function morally in this worldly realm. So I live in the world, I'm just morally superior, which you're not really. So what we have to learn to do is learn to live in the kingdom. So let's talk a little bit about that. Man is the crowning act of an intentional creator. Mankind is the crowning act of the intentional creator. God created, created a universe created a solar system among all those stars, created an earth amongst all those solar systems, created a garden on the earth, created people in the garden. There was an intention. This wasn't random. God was like, oh, now what do we do? I don't know. Let's, well, let's try this. No, there was a purpose here. Long before time began, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had entered into an eternal covenant to create an eternal consort for Jesus. I'm going to make a bride for you, son. And Jesus said, let's do it. And the Father said, but you're going to have to create her. And so nothing was made, nothing was created outside of what Jesus. So Jesus creates all things because he's going to be the intended bridegroom. And so Jesus, before time began assigned himself and, and said, I will pay. If any of my bride sins, I will pay the price. So before time began, Jesus was assigned and ascribed not only to be the, the creator, but to be the redeemer of all mankind. And when Jesus made that covenant, this is why this covenant was cut in eternity before time began, when Jesus said, Father, I will pay for any... A workman doesn't blame his tools, and Jesus said, I'll create. And but the, the Godhead knew that if we create mankind in our image, they're gonna, some of them are going to mess up. It's guaranteed. And Jesus said, I know. I'll create them, and I'll take responsibility for them. So I will pay if they sin. And that was a foregone conclusion. That's why Jesus is called the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Before you ever had an opportunity to sin, Jesus had already decided he was going to pay for your sin. And he took it upon himself. And when Jesus said, I will shed my life, I'll go down and I will live as a man and I'll pay with my own blood. The father said, son, if you will do that, this is my oath to you. Two oaths God made to Jesus in the eternal covenant. I swear to you, I will not let you stay in death. You will, your body will not see decay. And the second thing he said, is, if you will lay down your life, I swear this to you. I will appoint you eternally as the high priest to represent mankind to me. 
And when he said that, the Holy Spirit said, well, Jesus, if you go and die for them, I'll go and indwell them and lead them back to you. So this covenant was cut before you ever had any breath in you. And this was signed, sealed, and delivered. And the, the eternal covenant, the oaths of that covenant, the, the precepts of that covenant were established. And so when Jesus comes to the earth, Paul says, Jesus accomplished the eternal purpose of God. This wasn't the last minute resort, a plan B. Oh, what do we do now because mankind has sinned? No, when Adam and Eve sinned, God had long foreseen that and planned it. Jesus was the, was the dream of God from before he created man. So when mankind sinned, God calls him and goes, by the way, devil, one of their kids is going to smash your head. Yeah. Right? Because this, this is part of the plan. This is not like, oh, this is part of the plan of God. Because Jesus should, God set the whole creation up so that Jesus would be the one, the single one that we adore, the single one by whom, through whom, for whom, all things were created. And in him, all things hold together. He is before all things. He sustains all things with his powerful word. He is supreme above all. So mankind, the crowning act of, of an intentional creator, and mankind then exists as the co-regent in a world that was created for him. Are you still tracking? So Adam woke for the first time to a smiling father in a glorious world that he was given authority over. Adam woke up. There was a smiling father. He said, wow. Wow. He looked around. God said, listen, this is yours. You're in charge. Name everything, whatever you want to name it. Very cool. And then God put him to sleep, and he woke up to woman. Whoa. Man. And she woke up to two smiling faces, father and Adam. Also co-regent, assigned authority on the earth. And therefore, man, mankind was the necessary conquest. If the enemy was to gain authority over the earth, he had to deceive mankind because God had made mankind his co-regent on the earth. God had said, I'm assigning you this property. Go and manifest my kingdom. Manifest my authority. Walk out my rule on the earth. You're, you run it. It's yours. Do it. So mankind is deceived into a place where they're taken out of that state they lived in, in God's intention. John Stott said, what, re what redemption remedies is the fall, what it recovers and reestablishes is creation. So Jesus came to remedy the fall and to restore us back to the original intent. In fact, Jesus came back to restore us a little bit better than the original intent because Adam and Eve walked with God. Now we walk with God inside of us. It's better. It's an upgrade. We used to be creations of God. Now we're new creations of God with a brand new spirit. It's a better deal. So when Adam and woman sinned and lost their life, they also lost, lost the glory that covered them. God's glory was the covering that they lived under. They lost their authority on the earth. They lost their home. And they also lost being alive within a context called Sabbath. God had created for six days, and the last thing he created was woman. 
she said, by the way, it was very good. To the man, he said it was good. So ladies, not a single amen did I hear. The last thing God created was mankind, and then he rested. He didn't rest because he was exhausted. He rested because he'd accomplished exactly everything that he intended to accomplish. Right? So God established a state, and he did two things with the Sabbath. He blessed it, and he made it sacred. He separated it for holy, holy use, and he caused his blessing to rest on the Sabbath. So mankind who's created lives now in a Sabbath day in relationship with God. He is set aside wholly unto the Lord, and he walks under the blessing of God. Adam had to be careful where he spat the seeds of the fruit that he ate, because if he spat it, it would grow. It was under favored skies, and he was on blessed ground. And then we know that they sin, and they've kicked out of the garden, and the curse comes upon them. It's the result of their sin, and God says, let me tell you how it's going to be now. I'm placing a curse on the earth, and through thorns and thistles, it will produce for you with painful toil, and with the sweat of your brow, it'll produce thorns and thistles for you. No longer are you living in a Sabbath rest where you're at peace with God and the productivity and the favor and the blessing of God is upon you. Now you're outside of that and you're going to work hard to achieve very little. And that is the state that most of humanity lives in. You're going to have to work very hard to achieve very little. And most of us have grown up, in fact, all of us have grown up with that mindset. If you want to get ahead in life, you have to just head down, Sweat, painful toil, maybe get a little bit something. Jesus said the Sabbath was created for man. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath. Think about this. God's created an estate, a way of living, a season, if you like, of you live here, we walk together, and I put my blessing on you. That's how mankind was designed to live. It was sin that pulled mankind out of that into painful labor and toil that was separated from God. I don't have a relationship with God. I'm in enmity with God, so it's on me. I'm going to work hard. So Cain and Abel are sitting outside of the garden because they were born after the sin, right? And they're sitting outside of the garden, and every now and again they can see this flaming angel just guarding the gates of the garden. And Adam and Eve over the campfire at night tell stories about what it was used to be like to walk with God in the cool of the garden. And Cain and Abel cannot believe the story because it's got nothing to do with their life right now. They speak about the lush and the fruitfulness everywhere and a multiplied blessing on their life and a peace with God. And all Cain and Abel ever knew was anger and wrath from God and hard and painful toil. So Cain and Abel set up their hearts and they go, we are going to try and bring God a sacrifice that'll earn his favor back. And so they set a date three months hence and they start going about thinking about how they're going to do it. And Cain, because he works the soil, says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a basket full of produce like nobody's ever seen. And he works painful toil, sweat of his brow. He works morning. He's out before the sunrise. He's back after the sunset. He's working painful labor, three months of hard growth. 
And when the three months are up, he brings in a wheelbarrow full of produce that everybody's pretty stunned by because they all know that cost. And his brother Abel comes and brings one of the lambs that he killed this morning with some of the blood and some of the body parts, and he offers that because he's a shepherd. And anybody looking at those two goes, we know which one God's going to be happy with. This one, that's, that's hours of painful labor. That's sweat. That's devotion. This one, not so much. Maybe an hour's worth of work. That, three months of hard graft. And God looks kindly upon this sacrifice. Now, Hebrew tells us because uh, uh, Abel put his faith. So Abel said, when our parents and God killed an animal and he, blood was shed, and, and so he said, I'm going to do the same thing. And he put his faith out on this little sacrifice. And the Bible says God didn't look kindly on Cain's sacrifice. Here's the secret. You ready? God doesn't like man's sweat on his sacrifices. The only way that could happen was man's sweat, painful labor. The produce that Cain brought was full of man's sweat. Sorry. Was I sounding deeper? Man's sweat. God doesn't like man's sweat on his sacrifices. That's why he told the priests that it were linen. He didn't want sweat in the temple. Somehow we got caught up in this idea that the way to please God is to really, really show your devotion and sweat and work hard. Now I'm not against hard work, neither is God. He actually loves it. But hard work is not the primary way to win God, God's favor. Faith is the vehicle by which you gain access to favor in God. Something in us as mankind wants to earn back what we so scandalously lost. I made the mess, I'll fix it. I want to be able to boast about what I've done. I want to be able to measure my progress against other people. So the, the race to be the most spiritual one can be uh, the, the race to receive God's forgiveness or to earn God's favor is on, and it's all over the world in religions. It abounds everywhere. And so when God gave his people the law, they even took that and used it to be that kind of justifier. Look, see, I obeyed more law than you did. <clears throat> and one of the greatest ways the enemy can deceive us is to help you succeed on the wrong playing field. So you can work really, really hard, painful labor, and earn and be satisfied outside of Sabbath, outside of the garden, outside of reconciliation with God. A lot of people are. That's not God's dream for you. But the cross came to remedy that. The cross came to remedy what was lost at the fall to put you back in a Sabbath rest, to put you back in a right relationship with God, to put you back on the playing field that, that Adam and Eve walked in and that Abraham had to learn the lesson of. There are two different playing fields. They're as separate as though, imagine you have a tennis player and a football player and they meet at a social function and the guy says, I'm a sportsman. The guy says, I'm a sportsman too. We should get together and play sport together. Absolutely. 
And they arrive at the guy's house and he's got a tennis court there. And the footballer gets out and he puts all his pads on his helmet and says, where's the playing field? The guy's go over there. Well, my, my shoes don't work so well on a tennis court. And so the guy's got his little tennis racket and he's bouncing the ball. This guy says, are we playing? He goes, yeah, we, we, we're ready. He's busy bouncing the ball. The football player hops the net, takes him out. Bam! Because <laughs> what are you doing? See, the footballer has a set of rules in his head. This is how the game works. The tennis player has a set of rules in his head and they're not the same. Somehow we think... You can, you can take the rules of religion and apply them to the kingdom and it works. It doesn't work. Is that okay? So I want to take you off the playing field of law and works. And I want to invite you to come over here into the kingdom playing field, which is a kingdom that, list, that works like this. Listen, believe, and receive the favor of God. Some of you don't believe me. <laughs> Romans 4. I'm not even going to get close to what I wanted to get through. Romans 4 says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, then he had something to boast about, but not before God. If Abraham had done it himself, if it was his own works, if his own hard graft had achieved the favor of God, then he could boast about it. Look what I did. Look what God's favor came upon me. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It wasn't earned. It was credited. Now to the one who works, wages are credited not as a gift, but as an obligation. You don't get your salary as a gift. You get it as an obligation. Your boss has to pay you because you put in the work. He doesn't pay you. You go to court and you chase it down to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly then their faith is credited as righteousness David says the same thing when he speaks about the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them Paul is talking in Romans. He's saying, listen, guys, there's two different playing fields. There's a playing field of hard work to earn the justification of God and the separate playing field of believing God. And if you just believe what God promises, you can earn the favor of God, but you, which you will never be able to earn on this playing field. Because on this playing field of, of what I deserve, I've earned it. Well, you on this playing field start from a position of being under a death sentence. And you can never earn your way out of the death sentence. But if you come on this playing field, you start from a position of favor. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world. I want you to show you something. You cannot have promises on this playing field. This playing field doesn't work by promises. On this playing field, promises don't mean anything. On this playing field, the only thing that means is there's, a, there's an external standard and there's you trying to attain that standard. And if you fall short at any place, then you get punished. That's what this playing field's like. This playing field is God makes promises and if you believe them, he, you receive his favor.
It wasn't through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, then faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, so God, it's complicated. Paul says, listen, on this playing field, faith and promise do not function. It's a foreign entity. This playing field with these rules don't like faith and promise. They don't need faith and promises. This needs obedience and law. On this playing field, it's all about what did God say and what did you believe? That's what this, this is the rules. This is the rules of the kingdom, folks. And we've got so many people trying to step into the kingdom on this playing field. Well, you know, I, I, I prayed for three hours today. I've, I've obviously earned more favor than you because how much did you pray? Why don't you pray an hour? That's not bad, but you'll grow. You know. <laughs> See, on this field, there's a place for boasting. But Paul says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? Of that of obedience to the Lord? No. The principle of faith excludes boasting because when I believe, I receive it by grace. It comes to me by grace through faith. This is not of myself. This is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Yes. Boasting is excluded on this plane. I can't say, no, look how wonderful I am because everybody on this playing field knows the only reason we're here is because God was immensely kind and gracious to me. So we're not boasting on this playing field. We just go, how cool is our God? Therefore, because God said this, I can't give you a promise on this playing field. So I'm not going to make the promises on this playing field. I'm going to make the promise over here. The promise comes by faith, not by works. You can't work your way into the fulfillment of a promise. You can believe a promise. The promise comes by faith so that it might be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who have the law, but those who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it is written, I made your father of many nations. He's the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that are not. Who calls the things that are not as though they were, the one Bible says. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, for whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who has raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Okay. Abraham learned the simple truth. Abraham was a moon-worshipping Babylonian from Ur of the Chaldees. He and his father in Joshua, Joshua says they were both idolaters. They were moon-worshipping Babylonians until God shows up and shows himself to Abraham and says, leave this. And he leaves it. And then God begins to teach Abraham, there's a better way for you to do this. You need to learn. And so God makes promises which Abraham believes. And so when Abraham believes the promises of God, even though they are not possible for him to attain... He's 100 years old. 
he and his wife, there's no longer a, a fruitful possibility here. And God says, I'm going to give you a child by this woman. And he looked at her and he looked at himself and he said, you know what? I believe you. And God said, now that is a friend of mine right there. And God said, I'm going to make, you, you are going to be the father of many nations. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. And I will take my favor and I'll put it on you. And I'll bless you with a great blessing. And I'll give you lands. And I'll make kings come out of you. And no one will be able to stand against you. And he just speaks out ten different blessings and promises over Abraham. It's not a single curse. Not a single curse in the covenant of Abraham. Only blessings. And that's why the Bible says you're the heir of the covenant of Abraham. Not a single curse that you can say amen to. Not a one. Only blessings. I am I'm so out of time. Hebrews 6. Let me, let me jump to there. Hebrews 6. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. <laughs> and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Stop. I've only made one covenant in my whole life, and it's with that woman right there. That's a useful piece of information for me to have in my head. I've only stood once in my life before Almighty God and said, I swear it, you can take it to the bank. I will be faithful to that one woman for the rest of my life until death parts us. I looked at her, I looked at my God, and I said, I swear this. I cut one covenant in my life with one person. I love my daughter tremendously. I love her husband tremendously. I love my granddaughter tremendously, but I do not have a covenant with them. I made one covenant in my life with one person. It's helpful for me to know. Somebody comes, oh, yeah, 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 I think we should do this. My wife goes, I don't like that. I go, bye. Because <laughs> I'm real clear. I'm real clear. I'm real clear. I made one covenant in my life. I made one vow to my God. I, met, I swore once, that woman shall be my wife. And God helping me, she'll have my whole life, my whole heart for my whole life. Whether she's lovable or not. Does it, does it make sense? Because I made an oath. I swore. I cut a covenant. Now the Bible says, Abraham says to God, God says, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham says, how can I know for sure? And so God cuts a covenant with Abraham. He goes, okay. Because a covenant was the most binding form of agreement that was known to man. And God says to Abraham, okay, I'll bind myself to you in a, as a covenant partner. Would that, help you? Would that help you believe? Abraham says, great. And so Abraham cuts the animals and he's waiting around all day and God puts him to sleep. And then two, two a flaming, a, a pot and a flame pass each other. The father and the son make a covenant in the blood. And they make a vow, they make an oath to Abraham. On that mountain range, Mount Moriah, and on that same mountain range, a few thousand years later, God put his own son up to die. God said, to the death, I swear this to you. And on that place, Jesus paid the final price. 
God has only sworn an oath. So he swears his oath. He cuts a covenant with Abraham and he swears an oath so that by two things, God swore an oath because God was looking around. He said, how can I make Abraham absolutely sure? And he goes, I'm going to swear it to him. And he looks around and there's, there's nothing more holy or awesome than he is. And he goes, well, I'll swear it by myself. I swear by myself, Abraham. I lift up my hand. You can, you can take it to the bank. My life, on my life, on everything I consider to be holy and precious. I swear it to you, Abraham. And he happened to prove that when he sent his most precious son. Verse 17, this is for you. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to who? To the heirs of what was promised. God wanted you to be absolutely sure that he has not changed his mind. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he promised, he did two things. He confirmed it with an oath. He had already cut a covenant and then he confirmed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of that hope may be greatly encouraged. What does Jesus want you to be today? Greatly encouraged. Why? Because God cut a covenant with you. He bound himself. He obligated himself as a covenant partner to you and you celebrate that every time you eat the body of Jesus and drink that blood, you're a covenant partner with God. God, and he swore an oath. I swear it by myself. I want to bless you. And we who have this hope is an anchor for our souls, firm and secure, and it goes into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become for us a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He ever lives to be the one who represents me to God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what I think. There are some people, uh, there are some business people in the room today. Um, some of you will have caught what the Lord is saying this morning and will step out from trying to attain it in your own wisdom, in your own flesh, and are going to dare to step out and listen to God and when you hear his promise, to believe what he promises and then do what he says. Heard a testimony this week. There was a guy fired. He was an architect. Run a, you know, there was a company fired him. He's sitting at home, doesn't know what to do. Comes to the church. Loves to cook. Makes a mean cheesecake. Sitting in the service, he goes, Lord, what am I going to do? The Lord says, I want you to make a cheesecake and take it down tomorrow, take it down to this place, little place in town. Offer it to them. Say, hey, I make cheesecakes. Are you interested? Maybe I can make some for you. So he makes the cheesecake, takes it down there, goes in and says, hey, I'm just make cheesecakes and it's healthy. <laughs> Say that with a straight face. But he, he said it obviously very convincingly. It's the healthy cheesecake. And they go, that's amazing. We'll take it in the back. We'll taste it. 
They go in the back, they taste it, they come back out, and the CEO of the company, it's a franchise, comes out. He happened to be visiting that store that morning. He goes, this is the best cheesecake I've ever tasted. Do you, do you make it? He goes, yeah. I said, what's in it? He tells him. He says, it's healthy. He goes, do you bake other stuff? What else can you bake? He says, I can't bake anything. So they walked out with a letter of intent that day for a franchise agreement for him to do that cheesecake across all the things. See, we think, we think, I want to produce so the sweat of my brow is going to take me 10 years worth of buckets of sweat. I could probably see myself getting there. Or you can listen to the Lord's voice and the promise of God and believe that and attain it in a day. So Greg, what are you talking about? We went through two years of COVID. A few years ago, the Lord said to Michelle and I, I want you to change your tack. I want you to back out of local churches a little bit more. Local churches are life. We love local churches. I want you to pull out a little bit. I want you to create resources. Try telling that to your eldership team. Guys, we need to back out a little. The church is just growing. And I'm like, where are you going? Well, we just feel like the Lord says we need to create resources. So we did. Michelle wrote a book. I wrote another book. We created some courses. Within a year, the courses that we created were in 5,000 churches. And part of Michelle's book was adopted by World Without Orphans, went into 86 countries. During this COVID season, we haven't been able to travel. I felt like the Lord said, I want to expand you. <laughs> There's no ways. I can't even travel. In the, we've, we're just sitting there. Offers have come to us now. If all the offers come, we'll, we'll, we will reach in the next year, Lord willing, between 260 and 370,000 pastors with the resources we created. We didn't. This wasn't me on Facebook. <laughs> this was the Lord saying, listen to me. This is what I'm going to do. You add faith to his promise and action in line with what he tells you. And he, because on Sabbath, there's a commanded blessing. Even in the old covenant, there was commanded blessing on the Sabbath. If you chose to observe the Sabbath, there would be food enough double on the sixth day for the seventh day. If you were a farmer and you chose to honor the Lord, then he would prosper you on the sixth year so that the seventh year was a year of leisure. Have you ever known a farmer to be sleeping late for a whole year? So God commanded Israel. Why? Because he wanted to show them. He wanted a whisper left, a testimony left on the earth. Hey, hey, hey. This was actually my dream for you. That whole sweat of your brow, painful labor thing. That wasn't my command. Okay, well, Greg, are you saying oh, I don't have to work hard? No, absolutely. You're going to have to work your tail off. Because the blessing of God, the harvest, is always hard work. Paul said, I worked harder than all of you, but not I, the grace of God in me. Grace will make you work hard. That's a given. But there's a peace on you. There's a rest in God. There's a... There's a fruitfulness that comes because I choose to rest. Let me close with this. A few years ago, maybe tw 10, 12 years ago, we were in a time of prayer and fasting in our church. And um, we used to do 24-hour prayer and worship. And, and it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm one of the few people left in the church at that hour. And I feel like the Lord says to me, I want you to preach a sermon series on Sabbath blessings. I said, Absolutely. What are Sabbath blessings? 
No clue what that's about. And began to teach on the Sabbath. Began to teach people that you can learn by faith to step into rest. Because Hebrew says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Those did not enter the rest because they didn't enter it by faith. But anyone who enters God's rest ceases from his own works. If you want to step into the kingdom, you step into a rest and a trust of God. So you learn to listen and believe the promise and act on what he says. If you will listen and believe and act on what he says, you will function in a productivity that is leased and set aside and commanded on the Sabbath rest that is not found on the playing field of sweat and pain. Some of you are believing that this morning. Welcome to the kingdom. When Jesus came, he didn't come to wash you clean and say, now try harder. He came to emancipate you from a whole system and bring you into a kingdom. I'd like to pray for some business people in this place because I really feel like this message is for business people. Is Don Woodham in the room? Who's Don? Don, we, we walked in, Don greeted us so nicely. And um, I just want to say, Don, I saw the Lord just very, and I didn't have time to, but I saw the Lord undergirding you in, with multiple strands, almost like a net, almost like a hammock but multiple strands of hammock. And I think the Lord is prospering you and he's going to, um, prospering, um, he's establishing, he's creating a safety net, a place of rest for you, a security for the future for your businesses. You have more than one. Feels like there's multiple businesses, but there's multiple strands of the Lord protecting you and the Lord is creating security for you so that you can rest. And the, the restful years the years of rest and faith are going to be so much more productive. There is a massive, massive productivity that's going to come, but you're going to be almost in a hammock. Does that make sense? That's what it feels to me like. Um, almost, almost, almost lazy looking. You're not a lazy man, never have been. And, and that's not your nature but it's going to feel like that to you compared to what it used to feel like. And that's what I feel like the promise of the Lord is for you. And I feel like that's almost the promise of the Lord over the whole church. God wants to do some profound things for the business people in the church. So if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for that. And let's close with that. Jump in. Greg, that was man can teach. Well, don't run away. Come with me. Well, you, your church. You, you, <laughs> you, you. Um, you know, you can stand up and get excited for like extra finances. And that's awesome. But you can stand up and say, Lord, there's a kingdom realm. And I'm asking you to show me that. And what will happen, what I can see happening is God will whisper something into your heart that is different or a different tack or a different avenue or a different way of thinking. And, and I encourage you to do those things. So if you are in business and, and you hear this and your heart is going, yes, 
doesn't mean you understand everything. I encourage you to get this message. Listen to it until you know it inside and out. Honestly, I used to do that. Listen to some sermons. 30. We listen to the same grace series. That's actually how we part. We listen to the same grace series probably 50 times. I don't know how many times you did. And we got together on this for years. But I encourage you, if you're in business, I'm going to, because sometimes you can say, he can pray for us and we go, that was good. But you already have faith. As people try to have, you already have faith. But just people don't know how to take the faith that they have and do something with it. And so I find something physical just goes, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to do something to stretch out my hand and say, Lord, instruct my heart, show me this, because this is actually his desire. So if you're in business, and what he's speaking about is in your heart, and you're going, yes, there's something to this. Lord, give me understanding. Show me how. Teach me this path. There's some guys here, like Kevin, I know, who live, sleep, and eat this, and you see what God does with their business. If that's you, can you stand? Yeah. Praise God. I just want to dare you to, um, we're just going to pray a simple prayer right now. And I really believe the Holy Spirit has come to seed people with ideas, with promise. So I think you're going to hear one of two things. Either the Lord wants to promise you something, which means that you need to just say, okay, I believe you. Or he's going to say, take a cheesecake down to that store. It's not going to be something outside of your realm. Peter needed taxes. He said, go catch a fish. Peter was used to catching fish. Right? It's not going to be something that's beyond you. It's going to be something that you comfortably can do. God's not going to ask you to do strange. He's going to ask you to do normal. And it's going to seem so simple. It's going to be hard to believe that God's going to put his supernatural thing on it. They needed to feed 5,000. See, see, this is the kingdom. I'm just, told, I'm just telling you how the kingdom works. Jesus said... What have you got? They go, we got a couple of loaves of fish, and, you know, a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. He goes, oh, that's great. Bring it to me first. I'm just going to give thanks for it. Hand it out. They'd handed around food around the group a bunch of times. He wasn't asking them to do something spectacular. So one of two things is going to happen in the next one minute when we ask the Lord. He's going to whisper promise to you or he's going to whisper a step of obedience. I just dare you. I dare you to do what he says. Father, we thank you that you've conferred upon us a kingdom <laughs> that this world has no access to, Lord. The enemy has no understanding of it, for you've hidden it from him, Lord. But you've given it to us. Your Father has been pleased to give you a kingdom. So, Father, out of the kingdom, I pray right now for supernatural promises all over this room. And I pray for simple ideas. Lord, I'm asking for those ideas that are the beginnings of a supernatural, the supernatural lever, Lord, that brings kingdom glory and Sabbath blessing. Command upon these people, Lord, your blessing because they choose to believe. Give them, Lord, what, what would take 10 and 20 years of sweat equity and give it to them in a day is my prayer. So, Father, I pray for supernatural breakthrough this week as a testimony to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
Guys, thank you so much. Michelle, thank you for those word, that word. Greg, thank you. Can we just can we stand and just give them thanks? Thank you so much, guys. Really, thank you. Wonderful. It's good. And um, I wonder if we could, uh, if you guys could just come here real quick. If you guys can all just stretch out your hands. And uh, we just love to pray for them. That'll be great. And uh, Father, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for their willingness to simply just say yes to you uh, over and over and over, year after year after year. And where the future has at times been unclear, they've just said, it's fine, Lord, because you're with us. And I thank you for that, Lord. We pray for the years to come. We pray what they've preached to rest on them and to continue to do so. We pray for their sphere of influence to just grow and expand and increase. And we thank you, Lord, that they are in your grace. They rest in your grace. And we give you thanks for them. And we give you honor for them. And we pray may that follow them all the days of their life and their children's lives and their children's lives and their children's lives. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you so much. Josh, thank you guys. We'll see you again on January 2nd. If you're coming to Christmas Eve service, please do that. That's going to be on Friday. Come up. That's going to be on Friday for one hour. Um, but the rest over to you. And if you want prayer for anything, come over. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to pick up a welcome bag and find out how to connect with us. We look forward to meeting you. Would you and your family like to share the joy of distributing the Giving Tree gifts? Join Bill and Beth LaRocque at their home at 1 p.m. today to deliver gifts to the families and bless them. We are excited to be hosting a very special family Christmas service on Christmas Eve. Join us Friday evening from 5 to 6 p.m. for a night of carols followed by light refreshments and fellowship. We look forward to sharing the joy of Christmas with you. As a reminder, there will be no service on December 26th. We wish you a very blessed holiday season and we will see you again on January 2nd. It's the season of year-end giving. Please remember that any mail checks must be postmarked no later than December 31st to be considered tax deductible for 2021. Year-end giving statements will be sent via email in January. As a reminder, our connection cards have gone digital. Simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat to access the form and let us know if you're new to Free Life Church, any needs you may have, or how we may connect with you. Remember, stay informed of upcoming events, holiday schedules, and weather closures by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Scan the QR code or text FREELIFE to 41400 to sign up. To learn more about all our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in. We are so glad you're here today.